Hey everybody, this is Black Men in Right World, and this is your host, Mike Thompson. And I am Grant Harvey, Mike's loyal, loyal subject. <laughs> I don't know why I said subject. I was <laughs> going to say not... friend, compatriot, co-host, I mean, I'll whatever take you want to call it. I'll take it. Loyal subject. Like that was, <laughs> man, that was not rehearsed. <laughs> I was completely you, made been, up on the spot. <laughs> you've been upgraded from like you've gone from like roommate best friend to like loyal subject now. I feel like that is a downgrade. <laughs> well, not in the world of Mike Thompson. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I guess it fits the theme of like because. You know, this is unique what we're doing right now, but if it's the theme of like this conversation, because we're going to be talking about D and D, so like, I guess you're mm. like in that mindset. I am. I'm in um, a fantasy mindset. <laughs> fantasy mindset, medieval, medieval mindset. That sounds like a. If you go to like a TED talk for like five hundred dollars, like there's like this finance bro who's like, I'm going to teach you guys medieval mindset. Like these are the ten totally. steps to like make money, gold coins. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um so what's up how are yeah, you it does uh i'm doing well uh where, so basically what we're doing right now is there was an episode that we recorded um what was it, like the last week of november mm-hmm. kind of, it was at, no it was after it was at thanksgiving it was like the first week of december like yeah. so but it was like in between the holiday time of like Thanksgiving and Christmas, and because Christmas is a, and the holidays are busy as fuck, yeah. I that episode has not come out yet, so we wanted to re-record, do another set of introductions, and kind of get something a little more lively uh, and like updated. But we're gonna still that still air that episode. So what's gonna follow after this conversation will be an episode that was recorded weeks ago, two weeks ago. Which is, I guess, is normal, but I think we have some things that we might refer to in that conversation that are a little dated. So, like, if you try to fact check us, you'd be like, that's a damn lie. You didn't go to that last Saturday. <laughs> but, like, yeah, we didn't. That was four Saturdays ago. <laughs> yeah, nearly a whole month has gone by. Dang, you know, all the, all the people that try to dox us. Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> so many. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, time has gone by really fast. Yeah. We're, we're what have, 19 days into December. I mean, Hanukkah's came and went. Christmas is right around the corner. Kwanzaa, yeah. I don't know when that happens. New That's Year's is 31st. Racism. That's racism. You should know. <laughs> After this many times, I have so Will you educate Kwanzaa me about Kwanzaa? Every year since you've known me, I've celebrated Kwanzaa. Not once. Not once. I don't think I've even heard you utter the word Kwanzaa. So don't even, <laughs> don't even go for me. I'm loving lying. Oh, Dr. Umar gonna fuck me up. Yeah, I was like, you were wearing the shiki, remember? Um, you know what? I have mad respect for a proud family, though, because they educated me on uh, Kwanzaa when I was a kid. But uh, oh, well it's enough, been uh, like 30 years, so I don't really remember. The only thing I remember from proud family is the peanuts dancing. Or like the snacks, the proud snacks that are like kind to life on the movie. Yeah, that They're was like cool. Dancing. Uh, Kwanzaa, I think, is the day after Christmas. Got it. Yeah. Let me, like, <laughs> hold on. See, now this is the shit. Let's that educate some people. Fucking, let's, motherfucking fucked up. Let's, let's learn about it. Kwanzaa. I can't even write it. So that's a, it's, that's it's, a problem. So you're, so you're right. It's from December 26th. 
but it's also lasts until January 1st. <sighs> See, that's just not fair. I feel like black people, we get set up with like shit that just makes life harder because I'm not trying to be over here and I'm trying to be like mindful and acknowledge Hanukkah. And then I also have to be mindful and acknowledge, you know, Christmas and the 25 days of Christmas because my mom and dad are like religious and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, God fearing Christian. And then we got Kwanzaa after that. So, like, it's like in the New Year, it's like, oh, hell no, you're going to take up my whole month, the whole December? No, nah, pretty nah, much. No, nah. nah, we can't do all of that. So, maybe, you know, like, I'm going to lightly celebrate Kwanzaa. Honestly, it sounds awesome, though. And it kind of ties into what, how we talk about uh, uh, Thanksgiving later in this episode. It's like a freaking six day, you know, extravaganza that culminates in a communal feast called Karamu. Uh, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. Apologies. But yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Karamu. Karamu. Okay. Um, but this sounds cool. You know, I'm just created by an activist. I knew that. It looks pretty chill. I kind of like I can't wait to have children so that I can make them celebrate all of the things. I'll be like, and they'll be down because I'll be like, every time we celebrate, you get you'll get like new food and new gifts. But every time we celebrate, I want you to we're gonna read some literature on it, we're gonna study it a little bit, and then we'll learn a bit, little bit more. We can do that for Christmas, we do that for Easter, we do that for Hanukkah, Yom Kippur, we could do that for you know uh Ramadan, we could do that for you know, like anything. And then my children will be fucking cultured as fuck. I like it. I support that. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, we celebrate everything. And they'd be like, you can't. And they'd be like, well, we do. Um, but yeah, so we're going to... Let's just check in real quick. Well, what have yeah. you done in the time what, since... What's the timeline? December, since the month has started. Because I've done month a month of December. Yeah, I haven't done too much. Um, you and I Any have big been... celebrations? Any big celebrations? Oh. No, I feel like y'all always have. Well, I guess that's that all happens at the Thanksgiving at the end of Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, we 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 cover all that a bit later. That that was a little bit more active. Although I will say, um, this past week I've been sick, and that's not fun. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, it wasn't COVID. We took tests, but uh, yeah, it's not fun to get sick. Wear masks out there, people. Yeah, you'll you'll greatly um, thank yourself later if you do it. I'm so nervous because I haven't been sick, like knock on wood, but yet. But I keep feeling like when it hasn't happened. Yeah, I knocked on I knocked on some wood, but I I'm worried that like it's gonna happen like New Year's Eve. Well, to be fair, and, New Year's Eve is a, a wasted holiday. So, but like, what if it's like the new? I don't want to bring in the New Year. You know how I'm superstitious. Like, however, yeah. you bring in the New Year's your whole entire year. Like, if I'm sick on New Year's Eve, oh, hell no. Yeah, that would not be good. I'll pretend well, that I'm not. You got to just keep yourself healthy, you know? I will. Keep I'll up your vitamin C intake. Eat well, I'll sleep just... well. Sure. That's not going to happen tonight. Um, I have <laughs> already you, had junk I'm food, sorry. and I'm going to fall to bed at, like, 1 in the morning. But what I have done since the month has started, because I know what we've done together, but we'll, we'll hold on, we'll pause on that real quick. But I have, it's been, it's been 
a really busy <laughs> week. <laughs> uh, with it's work. been one busy week. Yeah, it's been one week since you looked at it. But it's, no, it's been a really busy week with work. And because, like, I my journey has not ended yet, um, fortunately, with with the company I'm with, and which is obvious because I've said in other episodes. But um, yeah, it's just exciting. Yeah, you're to, so like, cagey. I'm being all like coy and shit. Like you can't just go on my Instagram and see. Yeah. And, and, but I don't know. It's just fun to do it this way. But yeah, it's been really busy in that regard because mm. now I have to. Now I just have the opportunity to go to more events, and I'm just constantly like you know doing more new more things now screenings events and just so much stuff is happening so it's like fun busy but damn december's crazy i didn't like really i forgot it's like award season mm. popping up like award season hasn't yeah. technically happened for the viewers but for the people behind the scenes award season is underway because everybody's voting right yeah everyone's voting everyone's mm. screening shit everyone's talking about what's the you know the big movies and you know, Golden Globe nominations have come out already, but then it's still like talk about Oscars and stuff like that. And this year, motherfuckers has popped off. Like movies are fire. Like you know, it's interesting. It's like I think a couple years ago, I was I I was quick to latch on to like the Oscars so white and stuff like that because yes, I do understand that their representation is very lacking. But then as I'm now I'm on this end of it, it's like it all makes sense. Because it's like the films, the com- the companies that have the money, that have the money and the backing to send out the mm. promotions, the screeners, and all of that. Like everything I watched was like white men. Like I'm like I'm getting like I'm I'm seeing like uh, the movies that are being thrown in my face are the ones with Bradley Cooper, you know, um, Andrew Scott and Jacob Valorty and. Barry King and all these guys, like you know, and so that's in Nicholas Cage. That's what all the movies I'm getting seen thrown at me. Like I got, I got, I've seen Rustin with uh, Coleman Domingo, and he's in another movie too, I think. But it's uh, that's what's being thrown at me. So it's like that's all I. And you gotta, and you gotta remember, like you are one of however many people work in media and and in the guilds and stuff. They have to spend somewhere like fifty million dollars to maybe even higher than that now with inflation to send these campaigns out and promote all, you know, pay for all the billboards and all the promotions and everything. Yeah. So I I think it just should not be, it should not be put on. It's not the Academy's fault. Necessarily. It's the studios. It's it's the studios. It's who they Um, want to promote and who they're paying to promote. Exactly. So it's like that same person everyone was kind of frustrated with, you know, a couple of months ago. Uh, or like a week, a couple weeks ago, is the same person that's been the cause of the problems for everything, because it's just like those the movies aren't being put in the face in the front of the voters. Like when you when you think about the list, it's like well, I only seen uh, the Iron Claw, Maestro, Maestro, and you know something else. Like so, you vote for that. So it's like not it's not because I think that's the best. It's just I mean it is really good, but it's like that's all I remember. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, that's really been just, yeah, it's very interesting. That's what I've been doing. But other than that, what you and I have kind of been spending our, this is like our, you know, adult activity. Some people get together and they go bowling. Some people get together and they play like Pinochle or Bridge or they like... Who are all these old people from the 50s he's referring to? (laughs) (laughs) 
don't know. Like, I feel like you know some like older old adults like they get together and they do like boring shit. Um, but <laughs> I'm just coming for whoever plays these games. Oh. To be fair, my grand my grandparents used to play bridge. Oh, Never I heard bridge it. goes hard though. I heard if you like really get into it. They seem pretty. Did you ever play Bunko? No. What Wait, is that? What's Bunko? It's like you play with dice. I can't remember how it's played. But that's another one of those like housewives type games. Yeah, my grandma um, was really into bridge. My grandpa too. I don't know they how play, you play with friends. With their yes. neighborhood homie. And they're competitive. Like when they pay play my cousins, like they play to win. <laughs> like they're not they're not gonna take it easy on you. Bridge is white people's spades. That could be. I don't know if there was a. It's probably the games aren't. I know the games aren't the same, but I know the way how we treat spades in our community is like very competitive. Like, it no, when you're playing spades, it doesn't matter who the relation is. They don't give a fuck. Like, if, <laughs> you can be like, you can be grandmama's favorite baby. And if you're playing spades against grandma and you're fucking up, she's going to cuss your ass out. Yeah. I feel so, like Bridge is the same. <laughs> bridge is the white spades. So I never played it. Because I was like, if you I don't, know, you I'm know. Not, I'm not that good. And I was just like, I don't want to get cussed out. They like down there fighting each other over this damn game. But um, so what's our, our version, bridge? What's our spades? Our millennial bridge is D D, Dungeons and Dragons, which oh, I yeah. guess also Gen X and stuff plays. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're playing it with a very fun group because it's a group that I have lived with. Um out at, at one point in the same house um you live with most of us minus sydney mm-hmm. uh but uh yeah we're playing with our old roommates and your wife and it's pretty fun everybody has their own characters which i think kind of almost like very close to our personalities um definitely yeah, fun. what are you yeah. uh so my name is axu uh bird feather and or actually no it's axu rigal but my nickname is bird feather okay that's what that means i saw that on like your profile i was like does he have like five names i kind of do have five names but i'm a dragonborn um which you know really is who i am deep down inside (laughs) i didn't realize dragonborns were so like oppressed in the game um are they I mean, I feel like in lore, I feel like they're just like they're like always on the shrug. They're like always like the op, like the rare one. I do well. So in in the game we're playing, like I'm definitely the last of my kind that I know of. Um, as because I'm a special rare green dragonborn, but uh, that's the Mohicans. Yeah, pretty much. Me and Dale Day Lewis are like that. Um, <laughs> what about your character? You want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, I am a high elf, or I'm a moon elf, rogue. Yeah, and I, you know, I got the whole culture man. Got the white hair. Got the yellow eyes and gray skin. Um, uh, and I'm a, I'm like an assassin, so. Pretty badass, yeah. but it's yeah. We just like in our in our recent campaign, we just had like some heavy discoveries about my like 
character's backstory. So now I'm like, oh, he's going to be going through some yeah. shit. How are you processing that? We basically learned who killed your parents. It's pretty true. I know. I don't, it's like a lot. And my real parents are always alive. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is in all the role game, play. yeah, this is all role play. In the game, like I know it's gonna it's gonna affect some things. It's like I think he's probably not gonna be as rational and like level headed as he has been, at least until some things cool off. Because obviously he got his vengeance because he found out who killed him. But his connection to the dark, like to the underworld that he was part of, was the reason why they died. Was wow. also so it's like the same. So you know, imagine it's really twisted. Yeah, imagine like your parents are murdered by hired, like uh, you know, hired help, and that same hired help hired you years later to continue to do to do the same dirty work. And you didn't uh, know until last episode. Till last episode, this like Damn. dropped the bomb on me. Like this motherfucker just dropped the bomb. He just like, by the way, I killed your mom and dad. You also work for me, so you basically do the same things that the people that killed your mom and dad. Sucks to suck. Also, I'm an evil ghost monster. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, way to like trauma dump on on us. Like, <laughs> okay, I think we need, to, we need to backtrack for like just a second. Um, let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, is yeah. this the first time you played Dungeons and Dragons? No, I played one other time, but like, because I was gonna like, say, I find that hard to believe. Why? Because I, I feel like, one? yeah, I, I thought you would have played it a lot before. I know, right? I was just talking to my brother about this when we were yeah. younger. We used to like, I obviously like have a million characters and books and stuff and stories and comics, and all these things that I created, but the we we would create our own worlds our own maps and all these things all the time and then this this whole time while we were doing that there was this other world other game of role playing that like existed but i guess because you know no one in my family is obviously playing it like cousins and stuff and then kids in my neighborhood like i feel like in the 90s it was like if you played D, you were a certain type of kid mm. <laughs> so like like I just was not I was not in that group. Now things I think the lines have blurred a lot more. But it's yeah, back then it was like if you played sports or you know, rode dirt bikes and stuff, like my the friend circle I had, you did not play that. So that's yeah. why it's because the friends I had didn't play. But I would have if I could, because I knew how. I like I had the mindset. That's why even now that we're playing, I'm like as a, our dungeon master, like he talks, so I'm like, I could fuck this dungeon master thing up. If I was like a dungeon master, I was like, oh, I could like the only thing I'd have to get a, a uh, I need help with is the 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 dice part, just like understanding mm. the rules. But basically, you're going off of a book anyway. But yeah, and yeah, and so who who is it that is uh, running the game right now, and how did we get involved? And I'll also answer just real quick. I have played a couple Dungeons and Dragons games before. Of course you have. But but I had only ever played <laughs> it like once in a row. I don't think I ever played like two in a row. And for some reason I was never like meant I was mentally I was never like fully invested in it. Um which brings me to the question I just asked you. Like like I like because you know how Dungeons and Dragons, you know, you have multiple sessions where you play, like basically there's yeah. that first one where you do the you create the character and then yeah, yeah. you you know meet up for the first time right i feel like i've done that like three or four times but it never went anywhere maybe uh, once there was yeah. like a second 
a second meetup that I just forgot about, but I don't I know. Like I'm... There is... Go ahead. Oh, I just, I was just, I could agree. Just, I feel like there is false starts a lot. Yeah, I had a lot of false starts, and I'll also, I'll take a decent amount of the blame for it, where I just never got fully mentally invested, and then maybe that meant I didn't follow up with people, and it didn't go anywhere. Um, but this time around, um, our mutual friend Cade, um, who has been on this pod before, he propositioned us all on on joining, and you want to tell everyone a little bit about how he's been doing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like I should have known he had some like tricks up his sleeve because when that when he locks on to some like new project, like he's going all in. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, he had just got a new 3D printer, so like, of course, like he's gonna build all the sets and like create everything by hand. So, like, you know, he there's like windmills that he built, like a whole and it actually moves like a windmill and has like lights in it. Uh, he built like a tower just recently where we just fought this guy to kill my parents uh, or the elf's parents. The elf. We got parents. to design uh, all of our characters on. Yeah, we had, uh, we had to make on Eldritch cool Foundry. Yeah, Eldritch Foundry is the website, and we made all the characters, and then he literally printed them for us, and we got to paint them all. See, okay, this is also also like what's interesting is that I was so not tapped in to the D and D world that. I my mind's still stuck in like 1995 idea of D D, where I'm like, yeah, it's all in the book and you just use your imagination and call it a day. Um and, and the access to get miniatures, the access to get game boards and you know venues where you can play is rare, which is not true anymore. There's like there's, yeah. there's plenty of places to play the game, um, tabletop now. And there's plenty of websites to build characters, to get lore, this to get photos, to get pictures, all that stuff on like deviant art and all that stuff on like the internet is like the mid journey now. You know, AI people use it to like build their create their characters with the look. There's like. Roll Twenty, which lets you play with people remotely, which is really cool. We've never done that, but that that's yeah. something that people can use to play you know with anyone anywhere in the world. You can even join random campaigns on Roll Twenty, which that I was shocked about. Like. Basically, like if people have open campaigns that they host, you can join as a nobody, basically, and they can like deal you in. So that might be my entry point because if I'm using the the internet and the computers, then I can have it'll be able to you know help me decide things faster, like the dice and all that and the numbers. So yeah. like that might that might be my entry point as a as a dungeon master. Um, you should host a campaign I, and then have listeners of the show enjoy. <laughs> yeah. I like one of, if I did it, I'm like, I wanted it to be a world that like has elements of our real world where it's like, mm. like it's just like an evil king named like Donathan Trumbull or something. I don't know. <laughs> and he's like in charge of everybody. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh that's but funny. no it's been it's actually been a lot of fun it's just so it's cool because it just seems like something that was so far away from what i wanted to that i would do when i was younger but it's so silly because it's like the closest thing to what i'm interested in yeah it's just when you're young you know you try to act like oh, i ain't gonna do that kind of nerdy shit yeah and i will say like there's ways that you can make it so much um more immersive because you know i i tend to prefer video games or movies and stuff you know ironically um you know like me using my Is imagination i'm like i can't picture it i can't picture it and i'm like you know want to be a writer and all this 
But um, yeah, but making it immersive and printing it out, like he made this whole map for this world that he built um, and, you know, making a custom world that's not just like a generic fantasy world. I mean, there's just so much, that, uh, there's so much creativity you can apply to it that I think it, and it's so much fun, especially if you have a good group of people that I think I would recommend anyone, you know, if they're looking for a new hobby, Dungeons and Dragons is one of the best things you could get into. Yeah, you just need like one one or two people that like really know how to play to help keep the flow going. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not the thing is like I'm not that well versed in Dungeons and Dragons, but I could even a even the most seasoned Dungeons and Dragons person, I could probably talk them under the table in regards to like the idea and the dynamics of what a role-playing game consists of. Because I've been playing, I've been on, you know, I've been on done, like Dragon Warrior and all that tough my whole life, Final Fantasy. Yeah, totally. So it's like, I like when people like talking about dexterity and constitution, all, I'm like, I know what that is. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> hardest part is the numbers. I will say that. The hardest part is like keeping track of all the spells and the numbers and and all of that. Um, so, yeah. yeah my Be prepared to do a little math. <laughs> My memory's just not good enough sometimes. I'm just like, what is my constitution guess? What is my thing? I have to keep looking it up. It's not because I don't remember like what I need to look at. It's just I don't remember the number. Like I just can't do that. Okay. Uh well, all right. Well, that's pretty much just catching you up and keeping you up to date with what we're doing right now this second. But the following episode will be obviously recorded a couple weeks ago. But it's a great conversation about, you know, family dynamics, the holidays just how we kind of like need to learn to accept ourselves and accept each of those family members or friends or chosen family for who they are um, and kind of navigating that with the basis of one of our favorite holiday movies. The Family so, Stone. The Family Stone. So check it out. Hey, everybody. This is Black Man Right World, and I'm your host, Mike Thompson. And I'm Grant Harvey. What's up, Mike? What's up? Uh, so we are back, and I feel like we got we got survived Halloween and the festivities of that, and yeah. then we have November, which is like the start of changing colors on trees, but not in California, <laughs> well, at least not in Los Angeles, and also family time because we start to get into like the Thanksgiving and the holidays and Hanukkah and. Christmas. So, um, yeah. How was your Thanksgiving holiday? It was great. We uh, we escaped the traditional trappings of turkey and stuffing and all of that, at least until Saturday, um, by going to Palm Springs. So until Saturday, like you're going to, so you're going to have a regular Thanksgiving. No, no. I'll clarify. This past Saturday, so uh, we went oh, to Palm okay. Springs. It was Lizzie and I and my parents. We rented an Airbnb. It was very nice. On the actual day of Thanksgiving, we just stayed at the Airbnb and made homemade pasta that we learned how to do in a cooking class that we took. Uh, and then on... domestic and cute. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it turned out really good. It was our best batch yet, actually. I um, mean, prove it. Like, make me some, <laughs> and then I'll you're, and this... then we'll decide. This is what always happens. So we made it. We made it at our class. We showed it to Lizzie's parents. Lizzie's parents said, oh, cool. When are you making us dinner? So we made dinner for them. Then we showed it to my parents and then my parents wanted it. So now I'm telling you about it. And now you're going to want us to make okay, dinner. Okay, I'll do y'all. I'll do y'all one better this time. I will join you at your house and help you prepare the pasta. But I I'll teach like you how to make it. it. I'll If you come over and help, I'll teach you how to make it. And then okay. we, we both know how to make it. 
All right, let's do that. Okay, it's really fun. Um, so we did that. And then on Saturday, my Aunt Julie hosted the traditional Saksgiving, which is like a Saturday Thanksgiving that she hosts for all the extended family. So we did go to that. Um, so we almost got away without doing the traditional stuff, but then, you know, had to, had to, had to play ball and, and go to the family thing because we wanted to see everybody. So that was fun. I remember when, okay, so when you and Lizzie had first told me that y'all were doing a friend, not Friendsgiving, you were doing a Thanksgiving, but you were having pasta. I remember I was like shocked because I misunderstood and like, like I, in my mind, I just thought everyone was going to bring a dish, like all your aunts, uncles, mom, dad, everyone, and everyone was bringing a different pasta dish. And I was like, what kind of Italian Thanksgiving is this? But then I realized, <laughs> like, that's like Feast like, of the Seven Fishes going on. Yeah, I was like, what in the world? I just imagined that exact scene, like Lizzie's in the kitchen, like, ah, don't help me, help me. Uh, but no, oh, man. Uh, you, she clarified. Shout out the bear. Yeah, shout out the bear. But um, she clarified, and I was like, okay, that sounds actually awesome. Uh, yeah, no, it was way more chill than that, thankfully. What'd you do? For me, okay, so it's weird. I don't, like, I wish I had an Aunt Julie that, like, had a tradition, because my family, like, I don't know at what point, because I guess I, you always give me, like, a tidbit, and I, like, overshare. Uh, but, like, my family... <laughs> my Purposeful on my part. <laughs> no, I do that. That's whatever. It's my show. Yeah. Um, I My extended family is so sp sporadic and sprawled out, and, like, everyone is kind of just... I don't. There's no, like, real matriarch patriarch that rallies everyone together anymore and i don't know who's mm. at fault for that or what is to blame what circumstance is to blame for that but basically there's never i haven't been to a thanksgiving like a family oriented thanksgiving and i don't know how long probably mm. since before we lived together i feel like dang yeah that's crazy right it's like 10 years Throwback. ago um, so, and there's, I'm pretty sure it's like one or two times that has been something at a family's house, but it's always like, they, you know, they tell me last minute the day of, and I'm like, my black ass don't even like driving down to motherfucking Monty's Good Burger, which is five minutes from me, let alone two full hours to go, you know, eat somebody's food that they ain't even gonna let me like have seconds. But, so I haven't done a family Thanksgiving in so long, I've kind of just resorted to Friendsgivings a lot. Mm. And those have been with different people over the years, like in Orange County, Los Angeles, and stuff like that. This year, I stayed in Los Angeles, and I actually went to two Friendsgivings because mm. a bitch got friends. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually right contemplated lying and saying like I went to like five Friendsgivings just to sound like the most popular person ever. But no, I went to two, and. Nice. The first one was like all vegan and all plant-based because that's how we roll. And everybody kind of made a dish. For that one, I was only in charge of the plates and silverware. So <laughs> I was like, thank God. Because I don't want to have How'd you get away with that? I was straight up. I just said, I don't want to have to cook twice because like I'm already stressed out and it's in the middle of the week and I have to work. Mm. So yeah, because like it was on Thursday on Thanksgiving, but technically the way how i'm a weekend writer so like it's not like i have to i have to go back to work so yeah i get that yeah uh but that one was really good all homemade vegan food and then i went to a second one where i actually did cook and i made vegan stuffing and dressing or vegan dressing is what black folks call it for people in the south because we don't stick it in the turkey we just have it on the side um but if you have if you make a tasteless bland turkey you know like most 
lightly melanated people. You mm-hmm. put, you gotta put mm-hmm. the stuffing in the middle of it because you got to make it taste better. But uh, anyway, so gotcha. I made vegan dressing and I made it from scratch. Like I, I cut up the bread. I cut up. The, I made cornbread to go with it in it. The onions, the celery, the the everything. I made. I made it from scratch. And wow. I also made the gravy from scratch, which is fucking fire. Uh, and yeah, I think it was a hit. Like that Thanksgiving was, or that Friendsgiving was kind of like a blend of some dishes that were vegan and then some dishes that were not. So we did have a giant turkey that was made Pekin style. Mm. Which is uh, because my friend Linda made it, and awesome. uh, her fam- her family's from China, so she she made that turkey. It looked like that shit was like professionally made. It was crazy. It was, and everybody loved it. Great dinner. That's awesome. Uh, was, but yeah, I was joking with some friends because, like, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I don't like turkey very much. I feel like it's a whack bird. So I'm telling you, to... I'm gonna tell you why you don't like turkey though, because I'm pretty sure that shit was dry and tasteless. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna say. I'm just gonna say in general, I don't like turkey. I don't like turkey as a deli meat. I don't like turkey as a delicatessen. Right? I'm well, just okay. not a turkey person. But I was joking around, and I said, I guess like Benjamin Franklin way back in the day wanted like the American bird, official bird, to be the turkey and not the bald eagle. And I remember I would, this. I would have much preferred the bird to be turkey and then we eat bald eagles <laughs> instead i feel like that is our true american bird it, it describes yeah. us better than it does a bald eagle i feel like we want it to be yeah. a bald eagle to look to be like badasses like we can attack everyone we're like an apex predator right. Right. and it's like but no we're, we're really not <laughs> no we're not we're turkeys we're really weird uh, birds that like to yap a lot yeah who like don't who are like only survive because of their sheer numbers and like not because of their intelligence. Yeah. That sounds Damn, about right. I just came from America for no reason. <laughs> well to be fair, I set you up for it. Yeah. Oh well in support of indigenous people, that's why. It's, yeah. You know, I think we do them wrong and we consistently do them wrong. And so um pretty much. Yeah, we're turkeys. But yeah, I I think it's just for me it's it's always a weird time during Thanksgiving because my f- I I don't intend to have this relationship with my extended family or even my nuclear family, but for some reason we're just not we're not like the to tight glue that I want. I have I have this fantasy in my mind, whether it's come from literature that I've read a lot, whether it's come from movies that I watch a lot or just did the Disney Channel or something, I have this thought in my mind of like, even if I had a family who argues a lot, a family who fights a lot, a family who's at odds, that no matter what, we still are very, very close. Like, like it's you, there's no there's no getting out of Christmas time. There's no getting out of Thanksgiving. There's no getting out of ba- birthdays. Like, you have to be there. Like, I, I expected that, you know, that type of, of mentality, but... Unfortunately, and I and I and I, I think I'm 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 comfortable enough to say I put this blame on my dad because he's a patriarch. It like it takes him, it takes like someone in charge to to really rally the troops together. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like he, he's just he's just kind of like a working man who's like you know focused on his own stuff and not not the, the not the family type things. So it's I also think hard that, too because like wouldn't you say aren't both of your parents like the youngest of eight? Yeah. 
So it's very rare for someone, if you're looking at it from a pure birth order perspective, for someone who's like the youngest of a family that big to be the one that like organizes everybody. Okay, I get that. Yes, but I'm not talking like my mom on my mom's side. All my aunts and uncles are passed away. All right. other, all every single one of the you know seven, six, whatever are gone now. So right. I get That's my tough. mom. My mom has a very valid reason why she can't do that. Um, and then my dad, like several of his siblings have passed away as well, but there's still a good amount, but I'm not even talking about them. I'm talking about my dad, my mom, my brother, my little sister, um, my, and my brother's kids. Um, and so like, I'm talking about that group, like we kind of right. like, starting the new, you know, right, yeah, we, yeah. we can't, like, I never, I haven't had grandparents for the majority of my life. So I can't, I'm not expecting that, that dynamic. But I'm still like now I'm saying my as my parents as the patriarchs and the elders, we should uh -huh. start anew. But that that hasn't really happened yet. I think it will at some point. I don't know. I was like, is it supposed to be me? I was like, that's so annoying. <laughs> Are you the Aunt Julie of your family, Mike? <laughs> it's so annoying. Like, I don't want to have to be that because I'm too spiteful to take that role. They don't want me to take that role because I will make sure I let everyone know. I'll be like, you're all here because of me. <laughs> so... But yes, yeah. more or less to just say uh, the time that is that is supposed to be designated or designed for family isn't always that for me. Um, but this, but Christmas, I will try to make an effort uh, to yeah. do so, uh, regardless that's, of how it's received. That's the thing. Like, I feel like if we're going to be, if we're all going to be collectively honest with ourselves, Thanksgiving is a bit thrown together it's one day in the middle of the week it's not convenient for anyone it's not really based on on anything or there's multiple origin stories of it some of which are very problematic most of which are problematic and it's kind of this thing that we like try to make into a big holiday but it's really like dinner on one day but like christmas christmas is more you know whether you want to take the mythological side whether you want to take the religious side there's a lot more leading up to it it's a lot more hype it's like the whole season like basically all of november is just like a stepping stone to get you to december and then from like thanksgiving like the end of thanksgiving on to december 25th it's like all about christmas and well like, i just go ahead. But you know what i mean like 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 that that is the main event like thanksgiving is like the, the opening like let's eat some food before the month-long stretch of christmas the marathon to that date see Obviously, i, but I celebrate christmas this is what i'm talking about but culturally in America, that's how we treat it. I well, I to that I I get I'm frustrated that Thanksgiving doesn't get the same recognition. Like I feel like the marketing for Thanksgiving is not as good as Christmas. Christmas, everyone thinks of it as a month long event. Like yeah. as soon as like there's there's the advent calendars there. As soon as it starts, everyone decorates or outside of the house, the inside of the house, and you make cookies and there's treats and travel and all that stuff like that it's like damn it would be so fucking bomb if the minute november 1st hit we already start eating trinkets of like little little niblets of ham and and turkey and stuffing every day like you <laughs> like, turn it into a month-long feast is what you're saying oh yeah i would fuck that shit up but it's yeah i feel like that's kind of like an Oktoberfest sort of vibe or um in, in in world of warcraft they have a, a festival like that's like the feast of plenty or something it's oh just like gosh. all weekend that's the nerdiest shit <laughs> <laughs> but, but i'm just saying like even video games make it more of an event than uh you know american culture does yeah all of that work for one day it's kind of it reminds me of new year's because like new year's eve because yeah it's that's like, a letdown of a holiday for me every always year. always yeah. 
I feel New like Year's Eve is never be, good. You're gonna always think that no matter what, because I just I will never get out of my head the time where you first called Lizzie or like you're not first called her, but you called her on New Year's Eve. And yeah. like it didn't it didn't really work out the way you wanted it to. And <laughs> it actually it did work out the way I wanted to. I mean that there. night. That <laughs> night you thought it wasn't gonna work out the way you wanted it to. That's Today, true. I called her, she did not pick up. Yeah. Uh, but... she was just partying. She texted me after. Yeah, I think yeah. I left her a voicemail. I can't remember. I'll she's have to ask obviously, her. she's obviously down for you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a story. Well, we had some good. We had some good New Year's parties back in the day. But but other than those three years, I felt like New Year's is never a good good hang. Um, yeah. Overall, there's one thing I wanted to say about um, Thanksgiving. Oh, the perfect example of what you just said is uh, my dad actually called this out. He was like, "Why is there no Thanksgiving songs?" Like he's like, there's not a single one, but I I forgot about the this until you sent me the video uh, of the one actual Thanksgiving song that oh, does yes. exist. I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rice, raw, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, rabbit. Yeah, hams, lambs, hogs, dogs, <laughs> greens, beans, <laughs> potatoes, tomatoes. Put some respect on Miss Shirley Caesar's name, Rabbit. It's like that's a Thanksgiving track. I feel that like is the only one. Thanksgiving track. The no, only. I think there might be other ones, but I feel like they might be offensively like arrest, like I wiped them from my brain. Mm. It's probably like one little, two little, three little Indians, four little, five little, six little Indians. Like out, yeah, delete, cancel. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely think I definitely sang some songs as a child, and I feel like it was very. In an era that that needs to no longer exist. Yeah, pro- pro- problematic Thanksgiving songs exist. That's fair enough. But that's why I think it's like if you if you made it into a new holiday that was all about like the month long just like gratefulness, gratitude. So it's not like just this one day celebrating pilgrims. Like who cares about pilgrims? But it's yeah. actually just a month of like just gratefulness for your friends, your family, everybody, like each day, each weekend could be like a, a different dinner with a different group that's important to you or something like that. Like, I feel yeah. like that would actually be a better way to go about it. And then because I like to eat, have each day, like dedicated to a different culture. And yes. I can teach kids to like, these are all the cultures that make up America. And like, on Ooh, November 3rd, sick. you do like Italian food. On November 5th, you do Chinese food. November 7th, you do like, you know, I don't know, Mediterranean food, like, and you keep each day is like dedicated to a different cuisine until you get to American cuisines on the actual Thanksgiving day. Yeah. And that, that consists of the traditional Thanksgiving food, plus like soul food and Cajun food, which is technically like American cuisine. cuisine. Yeah. So then it's like, like, imagine that. Ooh, I'd be that would actually that. be sick. I, I think we should petition for this. Yeah, like this. This is this is our new campaign that we're gonna hire us for the PR. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take it back. (laughs) No, but we are truly, as America, we're the first multi-ethnic, multiracial, whatever you want to call it, diverse country in the history of the world. Where like there's people from all different countries who live here. Um, So like, why can't we remake our, you know, Thanksgiving? into like a true melting pot of cuisine and cultural appreciation. I feel like that would be yes. totally sick. Yeah, it should be like the melting pot m- month. Melting pot like, month. Melt melt November. I don't know. Well, we're going <laughs> to workshop it. <laughs> yeah, because we need to take November like has too many other nasty things going on. Like the no shade, the no nut, 
Like, <laughs> like all these things like men just don't don't do anything during this month. Like, what the fuck? Uh, I just not into it. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess I'm technically not shaving right now, but is that not shaving? Yeah, I mean, I haven't shaved in three weeks. I think. Oh, based like a caveman. Yeah, it's crazy. I shaved. <laughs> well, you know what, Mike? I accept myself the hair is gone i cut the whole t top off so fucking no shave november yeah it looks good what's the reason you just want a clean slate uh i'm going for a harry styles look Ooh. no i'm just kidding like is I'm he bald right now i don't know yeah, pop culture he he's he shaved his head everyone freaked out we should um, do an episode or we should do a segment of this show where you just teach me pop culture like you just give me like a buzzfeed roundup of like all the stuff that's going on that i don't know there's not much. All that you need to know is like the Kardashians continually like over dramatize, dramatize their lives. Taylor Swift's relationships are the biggest thing that people talk about. Still, Beyond, yeah, and Beyonce and Taylor Swift, like, or not. I think also women are better at performances and selling out shows than men are. That's another. Oh, I believe that because yeah. like it's Pink, Mariah Carey, Adele you know, Beyonce, Taylor Swift. Is Adele back to performing? I don't know. She was in Las Vegas tearing it up. So oh. other than Usher, I feel like men aren't doing shit. <laughs> Usher's yeah. like the only one. Um, yeah, but pop culture, that's pretty much it. So yeah, we should do a pop culture lesson one day. Yeah. Teach me pop like culture. I don't know that. I don't feel like I know that much, but I know a lot. Um, you know where all yeah. the bodies are buried? <laughs> I do. I know all the secrets. Uh, for so to discuss the topic of the holidays and family, we're mm -hmm. going to touch on a movie that you and I both uh, like because we I could have did love actually because you know that's my jam. Yeah, but that like is truly your favorite Christmas movie, is it not? Oh, I love it! I love it so much. It's problematic too, and every like, but I'm like, I hate when people try to like call it out for being problematic and cancel it because I'm like, oh, fuck you. Like, I had to go watch, like, you know, movies about slaves and shit. Like, a bunch of movies aren't always going to be, like, topics you're not interested in or they're going to be problematic because they mirror our real world. Let's mm. stop. Everything's not the Disney Channel. Uh, <laughs> like, there's yeah, going to be movies that have bigots and misogyny or sexism and stuff like that kind of shrewd into it because, one, that's who wrote it. And mm -hmm. two, that's indicative of the time, and that's indicative of our actual world. But yeah, so we're not gonna do love actually. We're gonna do the family stone instead. Oh, I you know? love this movie. Yeah, it's a jam. It's like I feel like it's I don't want to say it's a deep cut because I think a lot of people are aware of it, but not so much as other Christmas movies. Like, you know, when when you talk about like Miracle on 34th Street or the Santa Claus. And stuff like that. Like, there's these other movies that are just, you know, go tos that people know about. Rudolph the Reynolds, Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, all those like claymation ones. Right. Um, but The Family Stone is kind of one of those like deeper cuts of like a family oriented holiday movie. I'll tell you what, it's streaming on Hulu right now, and Hulu knows the movies that millennials want to watch. Okay. They've, they, they've, they booked out their Christmas uh, package, and it is pretty, pretty, pretty good. They've got oh, yeah. Elf on there. Okay. So they so that's one of the millennials' favorite Christmas movies, I feel like. Classic. Um, it's got I think it's got Miracle on 34th Street on there right now. Um, I, I'm got, into it. The remake or the original? The remake. Definitely the remake. Oh, okay. Okay. They do the uh, remake. 
Um, I think it's got, well, actually, let me, let me pull up a little. It's got the holiday on there. Uh, it's got National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. I mean, it's got uh, everything that people want to watch. The greatest hits. The greatest hits. The, uh, I already said the holiday. And then it's got the Family Stone. So I think they they know that the Family Stone is a is a deep cut, but it's a it's, it's a fly under the radar sleeper hit. It's such a great representation of millennials. That's especially seen in like Rachel McAdams' character, which we can kind of touch on a little more after we kind of give a quick synopsis. So, like, how would you describe? Like not log line, just a little bit longer than the log line. How would you describe what the Family Stone is about? Well, I'll tell you what it says on uh, IMDb, and then we can riff up that. Okay. An uptight conservative businesswoman accompanies her boyfriend to his eccentric and outgoing family's annual Christmas celebration, and finds that she's a fish out of water in their free-spirited way of life. Oh my God. Okay. So that synopsis is like, it is what the movie's about, but that's also like every fucking script that I feel like uh, someone that we went to school with has like tried to write. Like, think about how many people are like, oh, this story is like, it's unique. It's about like this guy who like goes back to his hometown with like his girlfriend and like his family doesn't really like fit in or she doesn't fit in. It's like, it is that seems very That's Yeah, I've I've done it. We all done it. Um, But Okay, there's a lot more that obviously goes on, it, yeah. but yes. So the main character, the guy who goes back to his town, his name is Everett Stone. He's like the lovable, likable, you know, hottie who's played by Dermot Maroney. And he's sort of like the family, like the family loves him too. He's like the golden yeah. boy, the he's, hometown he's, hero. Yeah, He's the hometown hero. He's like the favorite child. You know, I think he's the eldest. Is he the eldest child? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he just he's made just, it on Wall Street. So he's yeah. you know, coming home with his new girlfriend. He, great job. Yeah. His mom, you know, it's a mama's boy. So they're all excited to see him. And uh, his mom is played by, is Sybil Stone, who's played by Diane Keaton who like needs no introduction. Mm-hmm. And then his dad is played by Craig T. Nelson, who always plays some kind of like dad or like father figure. Uh, Kelly Stone. Yeah. If you and don't know dad, who that is, you can look him up online and you'll immediately recognize him. Yeah, yeah. And then he has a, a little, two younger siblings. Uh, or three younger siblings, right? Yeah, dad. Three younger siblings. So he has dad, uh, and who's like the, the gay brother. <laughs> and That's how and death like yeah. this movie was like you know we're gonna give him a couple identities to like really showcase like diversity here um oh it, on top of that he even has his his husband is it his husband yeah is, is well i don't know if that's legally married if they could be legally married at that time i don't know the laws in connecticut but it's his long-term partner if not husband yeah this movie came out 2005 so like you don't know we don't know yeah um but either way his husband is black yeah he's played by uh who is this the actor brian white or brian oh yeah brian j white mm. brian j white yeah who's so chocolatey and handsome but anyways yeah so you got the deaf gay brother who who has a black husband <laughs> so it's like they really try to nail that this family is liberal because the mom and the family everyone's fully you know it, on, on board with this well, um, uh, amy, has, uh, uh, amy the youngest daughter who is uh played by rachel mcadams she literally shows up in like uh the worst car ever and she has an npr like uh reusable bag <laughs> like, on yeah her arm. So, she, 
she was definitely like the representation of like that era like the millennial like at the time because the movie came out 2005 right so like yeah like she's in that college era time like which that's kind of like i can relate to because I was all on the verge of getting ready to start college at the time, like a junior in high school. So like, right. it's very relatable. Uh, but yeah, they're very much trying to show this as a liberal family. Like the dad's a college professor. He's a liberal arts professor. The mom is like very uh, strong willed and she kind of like leads the family. So she's kind of like the one in charge. So the, the dad is kind of second to her. So like, it's just every dynamic of the family is very laid back. But the most laid back character of them all is Luke Wilson, who's another yeah. another brother, um, who plays yes. Ben Stone. Very who literally lives in Berkeley, and he's a, a, a documentary filmmaker. So yeah, come on, and he's a stoner. So, yeah. um, like it's it just it's the most liberal fucking family you can think of. But there's also know, one they, other sister, um, Susanna Stone, who's played by oh, Elizabeth Razor. Yes. Razor, um, she was also in Twilight. You might know her from that. Why did I forget that sister? Um, because she's it's interesting. I feel like if this was like a a, a more Hollywood movie, maybe they would have cut her character, but because like it's very it feels like a very real family. She's in it, she's part of it, you know, she's pregnant, she has another um daughter who's already been born and her husband is like working or something during the holiday so he doesn't show up till later. Yeah. But she's kind of like the emotional rock, like the steady one. Like when everyone I, else no, has these big personalities. She also kind of shows like what uh she's like shows what the future could be for like the relationship of of um Everett because she's like a mother, she's pregnant, like this could be her life. Like she's either gonna be like uh his mom character played by Diane Keaton, or she's gonna be like his sister who has a who has a kid or whatever, who's gonna have a child. Um, or second mm. child. And so then the main like the people that I have we haven't said yet is the girlfriend that he brings back home, who's like, she is wound up tight. Um <laughs> and she's played by Sarah Jessica Parker. You have to uh, give Sarah Jessica uh Sarah Jessica Parker so much credit for this role because she is so unlikable. She plays such a good, like uh, uptight woman. Like it like her character is so awesome. I can't stand her the whole time. She's like, like some, I, I was reading some reviews and they kind of, someone said like, I feel like she definitely is like, she's like on the, on the spectrum of like autism. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's such a, a interesting take. Cause you know, like her, her certain ways of how she communicates or like doesn't communicate or like doesn't pick up certain cues. Right. Um, Cause in, and that's like, if for people who have done enough research to learn the, the the intent not the intensity the wide ranging uh spectrum of of autism but i think i i yeah i was like that's an interesting take because yeah she is just like she does not click with anyone like she everything she says comes off the wrong way everything she intends is received incorrectly or or not the right way but i will say that like uh his mom diane keaton's character like she comes in hot, like too. Like she's she's very protective of her son, and just not vibing with. So is Amy. That. So is Rachel McAdams' character. She's kind of, but you also see her responses and how she interacts with her entire family. That's just her. Yeah, that's true. Like she can't take she can't take Amy personally. She's a she's like the college liberal who went to school and it's like 
I like hate, you know, heteronormativity and I hate, uh, you know, gender roles and I hate those. So like, and yet like she's coming from, she's like, she's kind of a, a foil to everyone. Um, That's true. Cause she's young, single and stuff like that. I think her and Luke Wilson's character both are like the foils to everyone. Cause they're just like, we go with the flow. We're not family oriented. We're just, you know, very like self-centered. Uh, which I think is what people think about millennials is that we're just self-centered and like apathetic about everything. And I'm like, that's not completely true. But yeah, yeah. this this movie I think is what I, the reason why I want to talk about it is because I think it's such a good representation of the theme of like acceptance. And yeah. that is something that I constantly am thinking about when I think about the holidays um, at Christmas time because mm. Uh, there are similarities like with myself I, I I am queer so like when I saw this movie and I see the relationship you know I'm like damn like that could be me married to you know uh, what's the actress name Tyrone Jory Giordano yeah. uh, who plays the, the deaf son I was like that could be me married to him or I could be married to Brian because like I'm it's so relatable for the fact that like I since I am queer uh, I when I go back to my family or thinking about my family, I'm like how I'm constantly thinking about acceptance of how I'm going to be received, or because it's just such a such a new thing, a new dynamic, a new variable to such a Christian based holiday, uh, to our family's traditions and stuff like that. And despite whatever anyone might say, it's still how I feel when I'm involved in these activities and, and stuff like that. And even I think about the future, like who is, who when I bring home, like will probably be received like um, Meredith, who is Sarah Jessica Parker's character, because the person I bring home might be, doesn't have to be an anal retentive, you know, businesswoman like her. It could be a man uh, of any ethnicity. And my mom is going to be like, mm, I don't know. I feel about that. You ain't getting grandmama's ring, you know, and stuff mm. like that. Cause because it's not really uh, something my parents are used to. So that that's why this movie resonates with me, because I, I take away certain elements and, and replace it with dynamics that I think that I would have. And um, and then it makes it relatable. Also, I have a younger sister uh, mm-hmm. who kind of is like the liberal one, who's like, I ain't fucking with none of y'all. I'm like in my own world, doing my own thing. And then I have you know, the older brother who has a family and children. So it's like, I have one dynamic of the family being made in the future of my my future. I have my sister who's like my past. And then I have me in the present who's just the hottest fucking mess. So just uh, <laughs> watching this movie, <laughs> watching this movie just helps me like tap into all those themes of like acceptance and kind of how family dynamics, like no matter how much you push against them, uh or try to go along with them there's always some friction or something chaos happens it's so interesting like there's multiple layers to that like why why this is so interesting but first off if you look at the like if you think about the episode we did last week um with um the the triangle of drama right um like that dynamic definitely plays out no matter what family you're in um and I think we all find ourselves like in situations where, you know, just being around your family, like no one knows how to push your buttons better than your family does. And and so no matter what, there's going to be that little bit of like tension there from your family. But then it's interesting because, you know, it's easier for like, let's say 
us to think of a situation where you know you you're like a liberal person bringing you know someone home and, and into a more conservative household and they're more judgmental of you it's really interesting in this film to see kind of the reverse of that where it's like a really liberal family you know bringing a more like conservative uptight person home and then them be getting judged like because normally we're used to it being the other way around and i wanted to shout that out because thomas bazucha who wrote and directed the film is an openly gay uh director yeah so it's kind of interesting that he you know took that dynamic and played it out i was like oh that's really cool because it's like a subtle way of, of putting what you would expect flipping it on your head and and sort of seeing the reverse of you know well like acceptance isn't just you know, even if you think of yourself as a very accepting family, you can still find someone who doesn't match what you are expecting. And you still have to, everyone in that film, I feel like had to deal with some form of acceptance, which is really interesting. Yeah. And it, and it, and it's, it's like kind of uh, challenging the tropes that are consistently always shown, like in guess who's coming to dinner type thing where it's right. always like the person comes back uh, from college or business or another city and they're like the liberal representation of change and they try to bring it into this very conservative family who's like I, I'm not used to this this time as you said it's like a flip of yeah. bringing the conservative person into the liberal group or the the more progressive you know family um, and she just is at odds of course eventually uh, I don't I guess we don't want to spoil the movie too much um, but there is another character who's her sister, played by Claire Danes, who pops up like halfway through the fucking movie. But she but serves pivotal, as like pivotal to the film. She's pivotal. She serves yeah. as like the polar opposite kind of like foil to her sister. And obviously, when she arrives, the family kind of like she kind of vibes with the family. Uh, she vibes with everybody. And like, yeah. some, <laughs> more or less. And it just, it's so interesting to to see that, like, um, I guess what, it kind of makes me think about when you were talking, we were talking about relationships the last episode. Yeah. And I, I was, I harp so much on what's not happening right now. And I like, I get so down and out about that. But then it's like, it's probably because of things that are, put before me right now are just not right for me like the things that are right for me will come eventually i just hate yeah. that because i'm like i want some shit right now give me some i want some, <laughs> give me some you know butt dick and pussy right now <laughs> like oh my god that's so that's so vulgar but it's true shit i said what i said but <laughs> but yeah maybe eventually i'll get my romance uh, it'll, it'll happen when it's supposed your rom com moment. Yeah, I hope it doesn't happen like the Family Stone, dog, because that is messy. I don't. That movie is messy when it gets to those elements. Those. those I was. Points. I was gonna say. I think we should have a, a a spoiler warning and talk about it because if we can't talk about it without spoiling the movie, there's so many elements of this film we can't talk about. Okay. Okay. So spoiler alert: we are about to discuss what happens in the movies, the tail end of the movie, but the middle to the end. Uh, real quick, so. real quick, before we go into that, do you have any pitch for why someone should watch this who hasn't seen it yet? And then we'll do the spoiler part. Well, someone who hasn't seen it, they should watch it because it's it's just, it's the, all the elements of the things you like. Like, it's like the, it has drama, it has suspense and comedy, <laughs> um, but then it like takes, it uses Christmas and like the family as a backdrop. And I yes. think it's just, it's so relatable. You you have to be at least one character in this movie. There's no way yeah. you're not one character in this movie. 
Yeah, and I'll also say the way that it's shot and the way that it's written, it flows so naturally from scene to scene. It feels, I was trying to figure out what it felt like. It feels like either real life, like you're actually at home with your family, which can be triggering for some people, or it feels like a TV show. Like it's just so, like the flow of it is so smooth. Like it's just really watchable film from from just that standpoint. And then the themes yeah. and the characters and everything are really great. Um, okay, now we can talk about spoilers. <laughs> okay, so uh, spoiler that um, Meredith and and every they're just not right for each other. Everybody knows about it. The mom that's that's the whole reason why the mom doesn't want to allow him to have the ring or whatever the family stuff. Why why do you think he why do you think he brings her home? I think I know the answer, but why why do you think he does I, it? Because he was hoping that would be the final piece in the puzzle to make him like like if he took her home and the family is obsessed obsessed with her, he'd become more obsessed with her and he'd be like, okay, mm. she could be my wife. He was hoping they would do the dirty work for him. It's mm. like men do this type of thing where like there's like sometimes they're like if they're afraid of commitment and stuff like that, they want other people to do the legwork for them. The reason why I know this is the reason why I bitch and complain to you guys a lot because I'm like. I want to be interested in someone, but I want you to tell me that I'm interested in them more than I know I, that I am. Because mm. I have a bunch of walls and insecurities up. So I need someone else to let me know. Like, right. You know, and that so, this is the person. Like, like yeah. you need that confirmation this is that person. this is the person. I need, yeah. yeah. I'm always looking for validation. And because of that, I like have to, my partners have to be validated. But that's right. what he was looking for. I feel like he was looking for validation, but he did not get it <laughs> except <laughs> from one person. Officer. He got it from one person, and that was uh, his brother. Ben, <laughs> played by Luke. Or Ben, yeah. Who uh, immediately yeah. like is in love with her, basically. I okay, Luke Wilson. I will say that him and his brother Owen Wilson. Um, I think there's another one, but I don't know if he's in that many movies or something. But I said it might be two other ones. But Luke and and Owen, I, I swear they play the same character in every movie. Like they play yeah. to me, they're like. It's like a suburban newlywed husband that's in an Ikea. That's, yeah. that's the, how I describe them. Because like they're walking around, they're looking, and they go, oh, that's nice. Wow, that's nice, too. And then someone tells them about <laughs> oh, the, like, wow. the features. Yeah, and then someone's like, this this bed has this features. This cabinet has features. He's like, you don't say. And then like he tried to tell the wife, like, did you, did you know this bed? Like, that's how they that's how they act all the time. Basically, yeah. I, <laughs> basically they're just you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Brutal. Brutal reveal. Okay. But you know what? If I'm a Wilson, if I'm a Wilson, I'm fine with that. Okay. I'll accept it. This is endearing. This is like a compliment. Yeah. This is not an insult. Like, I wish more people could be like that. Cause because they're all in, in the movie, what shows is that he's so get like he gets along so well with everyone to an extent, even though he has like his kind of laid back stoner nature. He somehow finds a way to interact with everyone on the on their level. Like he yeah. can he can talk to Meredith, he can talk to his brother Everett, he can talk to his mom, he can talk to his dad, his sister. He like he and his uh, other his older sister who's pregnant. He like he for some reason he finds a way to connect with everybody, even though he's like supposed to be like the the slacker character. So That's I, so I, true. I say he's like a he's a con yeah he's like a connector. That's interesting. Um, because I was I was trying to come up with some thesis about him and and all of the characters and like what form of acceptance they need to 
accept, right? Like what's their kind of mini character arc throughout the movie. And for him, I was thinking at first, he's the only character that kind of just accepts Meredith like on her, like, like as she is and is like fine with her. I mean, I want to ask you, like, do you think that his behavior is problematic? Because watching him back up, it's like, he is like so going after her. It's like not even subtle. Well, like he doesn't actually do anything though. He like really was just being nice to her, it's and true. like so like yes, yes. I I feel like he 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 didn't he didn't sleep in the bed with her originally. He like let her sleep on, and that all was part of like the problem. Remember, she didn't she took the sister's bed, and 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 then she because she took the sister's bed, Rachel McAdams' bed, then she left to the hotel and all stuff like that. So him giving right. her her bed was actually a solution to the original problem, and then right. he like, but it just it just not you know come off well because she was like butt naked in the bed i think <laughs> and well, like, yeah the, like, the the bigger issue i feel like was was when he's standing outside of her car and he's just like, got like his like, crotch to her window and he's just, yeah he was doing a lot he was doing a lot just, like sipping some coffee it was working like, on me though <laughs> it was working on me but uh yeah, yeah so stuff, obviously man. they it, so then when her sister Claire Dane shows up, she's actually like the better version of her of face, pretty much. She's like yeah. the Bannock Pixie sister girl. Um, and <laughs> Everett falls in love with her and realizes that she's the one for him, not Sarah Jessica Parker, which is like, okay, you know, in real life, it's like, this is messy. This is not real. Uh, they end up together just to cut let's, it. Let's, let's double click on that, though. So... I asked you why he brings Meredith home. And at one point he has a conversation with dad and dad says like, is this just about mom? Because basically he's trying to pick a wedding ring to propose to Meredith. And then he says, of course it's about mom. And then later when he's talking to his mom, his mom is like, I love you, but like you getting married is not going to fix this. Like, like doesn't matter. Cause like the thing we haven't said is that the mom is sick. And um, you know, this time it's, probably for the worse and she's not going to make it and so she's saying like you can't mm-hmm. fix this even if you get married so there's a part of him that's like yeah, trying she, to she like, has breast cancer yeah so like there's part of him that's trying to like get married with meredith because he feels like like you said that's like the missing piece but also like there's part of it where he like wants to kind of like fix the family and like let his mom know like i'm gonna be okay i have someone you know like like going forward um but then julie shows up and he kind of right away like is mesmerized by julie and she's mesmerized by him to the point where she like falls off the the bus do you remember that it's like a, it's like a really dramatic like, fall like yeah she like bust her face open like i was like okay damn this we got <laughs> that that like, was a very much like a manic pixie moment though yeah um but as he's falling for her, I wonder what is going through his head. Like, like at what point does he fall out with Meredith? And at what point does he fall in with Julie is what I was trying to figure out. I think when he finds out about his brother, like, sleeping in the same room as her. Like, I feel like... That's uh, when he's, like, fully like, over almost it. Almost kind of, like, he gets, he gets... I feel like he gets, like, a thumbs up. He gets, like, a, okay, well, shit. She's, like... She kind of knows this isn't working either. Um, yeah. And I, well, I think I can't remember. It's also like his mom and some other people kind of like, you know, there's like conversations, yeah. things that happen where 
it kind of like opens his eyes up to like doing what you're doing what you want to do not what you think yeah. you're supposed to do totally and well like because like right away like the mom and the dad are very skeptical of him where she's like this woman does not know herself at all and i'm worried that he doesn't know himself at all because he's with her and so like when he meets julie is it him sort of like accepting that just yeah i was trying to figure out the acceptance component of of him him and julie's relationship where it's like he sort of has to well i think she go ahead I feel like I feel like he is like her. It's like it's it's like you you he he found his his like soulmate more or less because like this person is he recognizes himself. Okay. So like yeah, how how is go ahead. No, yes, you're you're onto something because he's first he starts off he's a successful Wall Street guy and so he finds a successful Wall Street woman and he's like, "Oh, this is who I should be with." But then he starts talking to Julie and Julie's talking to him about the guy and the t- with the totem pole and the hole in his heart and like how amazing it is to like travel the world. And like he starts to realize he's like, man, I really wish I went, you know, when we were on this business trip in Hong Kong, I really wish I went to that Buddhist temple that I never went to. And so he sort of is realizing he's like, no, I'm not the Wall Street guy. I'm the guy who, you know, actually cares about the world and, and the people in it and, and, and things that are more than just money and status and stuff. Right. It's basically like he, he like was like I grew up like this liberal hero <laughs> with this liberal family. I moved to New York, became like uh, you know surrogate conservative because I'm like Wall Street, and he's like actually that's not me. Actually, I love the gays. I love the blacks. I love you know <laughs> women's rights. Like I don't know. It's like it's just like pretty it's much. funny. Like, I don't- it's pretty much what happened. It's like he just realized that he was going too far into the red, and he's like, "I need to go back to blue." Mm-hmm. And Claire Dane's character represents that, and so then, but Meredith then, so brother, basically the brothers swap. Like the the, uh, well, it's not that Claire Dane is ever with Luke Wilson, but yeah, ever it gets with. Um, There's a moment Julie. in the best scene in the movie when um, Sybil is trying to be like, "Oh, Claire, like, like." Um, you're, you know, you do such and such, um, you know, uh, Ben, he's a documentary filmmaker and Ben is like not interested in her at all because he's like into Meredith. He's like, and, you know, my sister does this and my brother does that and I don't get what you're trying to do. <laughs> like he's like trying to like, like not yeah, get set like, up by his mom. <laughs> it, it's just, it's, it's such an interesting, like, like B and C story to the movie, I think, because like it's not even the main point part of this, the movie. I feel like the main part of the movie is the matriarch, and and like and how she holds this family together. Because when she eventually passes away, uh, and it's like almost lucky that everyone at that time figured this shit out. They figured it out right before because if they wouldn't have, they'd have been screwed. Um, mm. and. The, like when she passes away, they like, have like the time jump and stuff like that, and uh, it's like it was. I wasn't sad. Like I feel like in some of those movies when they have those like hard hitting endings like that, I'm always like bummed the fuck out because I'm like this is just that's just so devastating. But I think it, it like I was like oh like this is the Disney Channel fairy tale like ending not ending that I want because I don't want, I don't want any of my fa- parents to just pass away like that but like I do want us to to use our flaws 
and, and find a solution that's not the prettiest solution, but it works for each one of us. And that's what I feel like this movie is. It's like they mm-hmm. their acceptance is not going to be accepted by everybody. You know, they didn't turn out to become the best couples. They didn't meet each other the best way. Um, and they're not the most perfect family, but they like accept each other for what they are and who they are, whether it's Meredith and her sister's relationship, whether it's uh all the stone children and they're different, you know. One's got her two kids. Everett is, you know, changed girlfriends halfway through. And his brother took the <laughs> other girlfriend, his, you know, younger sister. She kind of like, she also has her like weird love relationship because she was so resistant to that heteronormativity. But she eventually right. like gives into that. So like, um, and finds a way to make it work for herself. It's like, uh, yeah, I just, I just think it's such a cute way to wrap up the movie you know with the bow you know Christmas and you know what's interesting the re- one of the reasons why it's not a sad ending is because none of the actors are actually sad in that moment there's like a bittersweetness to it but they're all kind of i mean besides the dad i feel like the dad's performance you can kind of tell he's pretty emotional but everyone else it was almost like this sort of like ex- acceptance like it's an acceptance that you know she's not here this year and we all miss her but um we're gonna be okay and I think that was really interesting. Really interesting way to play it. I so kind of I don't know, kind of like to more or less come to a conclusion for us. Yeah. Is I, I want to ask a couple questions. It's like what uh what is something that you like? What is like a futuristic? What do you what do you envision like your family dynamic when you're the patriarch? When you're like this is, you know, it could be the, it doesn't matter how many children you have or, or stuff like that, but it's like, how would you try to, to, to lead, a lead a group of, of, of dysfunction, like, like, like this family has putting yourself kind of like in the mom's position. Cause for my, I'll go first for myself. It's like, I, I think there's, I'm not going to be able to hold on to everyone. Like I'm not going to be able to rally my mom, my dad, my brothers and all of them, but my nuclear family that I will create one day, like, it's like watching this movie, I can see what it looks like to have to do it from the liberal side of things. I think I grew up mm. conservative and we know what that looks like because we've seen it so many times in media um, right. and also like in, in the representation of Christmas. But like, I'm like, I think mine is going to, you know, it's going to be a combination of lots of friends, their children. It's going to be a very like hodgepodge of not just like the family stone, the, 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 the connected family it's going to be it might be you and lizzie and your children it might be um other people like i'm like hosting a law a big lavish event and try to bring everyone together so i instead of just having a dysfunction of like five people i want to have the dysfunction of like 50 or 60 <laughs> during my christmas <laughs> but yeah i just i just think like i think it's important to like not be afraid of the idea that like a chosen family is also like something that can be created from these holidays and stuff like that. And so I, yeah. just, I and the reason why I say that also is because in it, uh, Brian J. White's character is probably who I'm going to end up being. Like I'm mm. going to probably be within another, uh, another family dynamic. And that's not, there's no, that's no shade really to my, my own family. It's just that my own family is just not, there's certain elements of things like, that they do that are not not fully what I desire when it comes to like the closeness. So I'm probably gonna mm-hmm. look for it elsewhere. Well, and I think like like by the nature of of time and space, 
<laughs> lack of a better, oh better word. Like, like you, you kind of have to choose one side or the other when you're going to family to a certain extent. Like you have to, like, there are certain things that you're going to do with, with, you know, your significant other's family or, or your family. And, and so when, uh, when you are your own family, you get to make those choices for yourself. Um, so, you know, it might just be that you, you know, maybe it's not even on purpose, but it's just naturally easier to, to, to do it that way. Um, or, or maybe it is on purpose and you're saying, you know what, I'm choosing this because I think this is best for, for my family, um, that I'm creating. So it's interesting. There's a lot of dynamics there. What would I do if I were the patriarch of a family trying to unite everyone? I think the the biggest thing is just always have an open door. Like, like your like you're saying, like there might be cer- circumstances where you know you're going to be with the found family or you're going to be with a, a a new family, and you know maybe you might not be there that year. Like, like you said, like you can't hold on to everyone, but like you could still always extend the invitation. And I think that's what I would do is I would always like leave the door open to, to people to come back. If, you know, if, even if it's like, oh, this year you're doing something else. It's like, well, there's always next year or there's always the next event. Um, So I think like keeping it, keeping it forward looking and and don't hold grudges just because somebody didn't show up one year or that they're that they're in a different I, phase of their life, you know, like that's, it's kind of hard to do. If but like, anyone do from my family is listening, I hope you heard everything he fucking said. Cause just cause I didn't go to one Thanksgiving 10 years ago because I was at college and I had a DUI and I didn't even have my license and I couldn't even do a lot of shit. And I was going through a lot or I hate driving, whatever the excuses I might have had. Don't be holding that against me and never invite me to shit ever again. Cause there, I, there's been birthdays, Christmases, Halloweens, Easter's all kinds of shit and I don't get a single invitation and it's like well damn now when I throw my lavish ass you know uh, Great Gatsby holiday party y'all ain't invited because I hold grudge (laughs) well it goes both ways (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep the door open for everybody but I'm gonna still hit the ass in the head with it when they walk in you you can come in but you're gonna get hit with it a little bit yeah I I guess it's like if we learned anything from the last episode we we did which was um pretty insightful it's like you you can only control your side of things and and so if you just always keep your yourself open to um keeping the invitation open i think it's a good thing yeah i i i i'm a i hear you on that and i will challenge myself to be a little more like you because you definitely you guys like are it's already shows like a like it's a, a snapshot of your future because you had the pasta night where you and lizzie kind of took the lead and then your parents <laughs> yeah, I, I i think i don't know i at the certain sooner or later i have to just learn to accept what is <laughs> mm, and and like i might have to be the glue and i need to just act glue like and stop 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 trying to be oil <laughs> hey, gluey. Yeah. Be the Aunt Julie glue. The the gluey. Aunt Gluey, you should call her that next time you see her. Uh, but yeah, I don't know I, how that would go over. Yeah, I don't this she might not get the context. Um, but yeah, I I think everyone should go watch the Family Stone. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. If you've seen it already, watch it again with the theme of acceptance kind of in the back of your mind and take mm-hmm. a look at each character and be like, 
is this one me? And then find out where how how they go from point A, which is not accepting themselves or not being accepted by their family and friends, to point B, which is accepting who they are and being accepted for who they are. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that is my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> good, good TED. Ten out of ten. <laughs> ten out of ten. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, is that it? Thank you for listening to Black Man Right World. If you like what you heard, please like the show and give us a five-star review. And subscribe for more content. Thanks.